Hey there, welcome back. It's Fully Live Athlete Pastor Channel. This is Justin speaking. Okay, so we are going to be uh, continuing our online Bible reading club series. This is day 150. We're going through all 365 days of the plan listed in the description below. So you can look down there, see what day we're on today, and then you can turn to those verses, read them. You can use the companion video here as either a preview for what to look for in the text or a review. The principal thing, uh, the goal that we want to accomplish is getting uh, Christians familiar with the Bible, uh, getting uh, maybe uh, people who are trying to learn the Bible and read the Bible for the first time or have just not understood it, want to bring it together and, and see how it fits in the big story uh, and how it's Christ-centered. Uh, and so you can't understand the Bible without making these connections. They're going to be huge for you to comprehend the Scripture. So without further ado, Let's jump right into it, but we're going to start today in the New Testament. Because I think it really helps us to see what's going on in the Old Testament when things start to get a little bit obscure. Uh, we've said goodbye to Solomon last week, or last time, uh, on, the, on day 149. We saw David and Solomon and the United Kingdom is gone in the Old Testament's history here. So when we get to the, to the second part of Lazarus' story, we see that Jesus does one of his principal signs in the Gospel of John. So John outlines these seven signs that he does, and this is the one prior to the resurrection. So it's like, as we see them go, beginning back in, remember, chapter 2, with the wedding at Cana, when Jesus turned water into wine, you see them just stair-stepping up into glory uh, to this one right here, where he raises his friend Lazarus from the dead after four days, to when he, he himself will be resurrected from the tomb to accomplish our salvation. So in this story, we see what I like to, to, um, to and what, the reason I'm introducing the New Testament first is it gives us this insight into what God's doing through these uh, comments uh, that are gonna help us understand what was going on with this story. So you see in the previous day in 149 that Jesus has delayed his coming to uh, visit Mary and Martha and to help Lazarus to the point at which he died. Now, as he gets there, you see a couple things that you need to know. Number one, you see the emotional life of Jesus. You see that he is truly human. This is something that John had to make clear because this was this is confusing. How can God, the Son who is who is eternal, right? He has always existed, he is God. Jesus takes on flesh. Can he truly be human? You see it in this, his humanity. And then he's in verse 33, deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. You see in 35, he wept. Uh, it's, it's, and the, and the, those who observed him in verse 36 say, look how he loved him. You know, so, so he's true with a human soul, human mind, human reason, and, and human emotions. In 38, it says again, Jesus deeply moved. This is one of the most uh, touching stories. He sees Martha. He sees Mary. He sees their grieving. He sees the grieving over death. He, com he commands uh, to have the stone taken away from the tomb when he arrives at verse 38. Martha says, uh, by this time there will be an odor because he's been dead four days. Now, so what Jesus lets us in on right here is that what he's doing is not only fully human, but it's orchestrated to, to demonstrate his divinity, that he is the one who is, is one with the Father, right? 
So he prays out loud intentionally as he makes clear in verse 42. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And then he says that he's doing this. He's saying this out loud. The prayer is out loud so that those witnessing can believe that you sent me. He's making his case that he is the sent one, uh, the Messiah, the anointed one, to save his people from his sins, from their sins. So as you look at 43, you see that when he said these things, when he prays to the Father, then he cries out, Lazarus, come out. Get out of the tomb, Lazarus. So Lazarus comes out, bound up, looking like a mummy, in verse 44. And then they say to, Jesus says to them, the, the people there, unbind him and let him go. So Lazarus is alive. Then you see the very next paragraph in verse 45, following to the end of the chapter there, that the Jews who are the Jewish leaders there, represented by the Pharisees and the chief priests in 47, decide to, uh, to hatch a plot to have Jesus killed, arrested and killed. This is where it all starts to really unravel and, and, the, and the tension tightens up. As you go down the text, you'll see that, uh, that if, if they let, they, they realize in 47, if they let Jesus keep doing these sort of things, then all the people are going to uh, follow Jesus and they will lose control and then Rome will take away their uh, power. That's, what that's their fear. They're going to lose their power. So Caiaphas, who is the high priest, he says something that he doesn't even understand, but John sees that it's prophetic and, and notes it in his text. He says, Do you not understand, in verse 50, that it is better for one it's better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. So, so he's saying this. That he's going to gather the nation of Israel back to the Father through his one death. He doesn't realize that's actually the meaning. And then in 52, or 50, 53, it says, but not 52b, it says, he's also going to gather the children of God scattered abroad, implying the Gentiles. John's focusing on the Gentiles as well. So, that's the deal. So what's going on here is there's a greater uh, hand driving history, and then this hand is actually uh, enfleshed in Jesus as well, in true humanity as well. So he's both truly human and truly divine in one person. And you see he's, he's bringing the Father's will to bear, uh, and all this is according to the divine providence and the eternal decrees and counsel of God. So you see that. It's, it's both real human actions that are evil that in real human intent we don't want to lose our power so we're going to have him killed unjustly to try to preserve themselves but even that injustice and evil god's going to gather his people and redeem his people from the nations okay so that is what's happening and you see that he's again truly human he's truly divine he's making uh these declarations that he's the one sent from God and that everyone must trust in him. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament reading today, 10, 11, and 12, things are going to unravel. As you look at the history of Israel, this is where it goes downhill because you've got Solomon has died and Rehoboam, his, his son who's taken over uh, to be king, that he, meets in, he meets Israel in Shechem uh, and he makes this terrible, uh, offensive, declaration that you know Solomon has oppressed you I'm gonna be harsher than Solomon right Solomon made a work to build up the kingdom right and there was peace but now Rehoboam 
the son of Solomon, has offended the whole north of Israel. And there is a division here. Solomon, uh, I mean, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, uh, has, has gone one, one, you know, harsher. And so he's going to send his slave master out to the northern tribes and they kill him. And so Solomon retreats, I mean, not Solomon, I keep saying Solomon, Rehoboam retreats back to just being able to oversee and control Judah, which is the south of Israel, and Benjamin. Those are two, two areas allotted to him uh, here. To, 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 and so a very small and diminished southern kingdom of Israel, right? And the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, you'll see, you'll see in the text, they are forever divided from this point on. This is the point where, where they lose their, their unification and they are much weaker uh, as two separate nations. And that uh, we'll see the north will be taken over first. But you see Egypt comes and really does do a number. Shishak, the Egyptian king, comes and does a number on Jerusalem. Now, so Rehoboam's kind of a mixed bag. Rehoboam does a lot of evil and, 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 and pride. And he, you see he marries a, a foreign wife you know, who doesn't love Yahweh. And he, does, he leads the people astray into worshiping idols. Uh, but he does some good at points. He listens to the Lord. But he leads people astray in, in, in evaluation. You see the, the chronicler evaluates and he says that this was an evil king, right? And if you look at verse 15 of chapter 10, it says, The king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by God that God might fulfill his word, which he'd said by Ahijah. Uh, the, the, you know, so, so here's the deal. All these things are really terrible. Uh, they're going to be terrible. And the king, Shishak, from Egypt is going to take away the treasures of Jerusalem and, and, and it's going to be horrible, right? But all these things are to, to happen to ultimately bring about Christ. He's going to fulfill the plan given to David uh, this, that this son would reign forevermore uh, from David and his throne would be everlasting. And you see that's what's going to happen. So all this plundering, all this destruction, all the wars between the two uh, rival tribes and our rival nations and within Israel, it's all so that God could ultimately spare his people when Christ would come. He was weakening the people so they would eventually be exiled, they'd eventually be brought back, and they'd be seeking for the anointed one, the one who is to come for the Father, the one who was sent. Now, you see this. All this brings it together that the evil actions of men, we see it in the Chronicler's notes about this. We see it in Jesus' own uh, notes. Uh, they're included in John there. That the divine hand is guiding even the evil actions of men for the salvation of his people. We've seen it over and over again. We see Jesus declare verbally to the Father uh, so that when Lazarus arises, we can see that this death, this evil, this grieving uh, over Lazarus was caused so ultimately God could be glorified, right? You see that. And that's what, that's, you think back to just a few, uh, few days back when you read about Elijah confronting the, the prophets of Baal at Carmel and, and the open declaration uh, and, and prayers to the Father, uh, God uh, brought down the fire on the sacrifice there to demonstrate he's the one sent from God. He is the legitimate one. That's exactly what Jesus was doing here in John 11 and we see that God does hear the prayers of his anointed one. He is the true high priest. He will, he will defend 
Uh, he will present us to God. He's a true king. He will defend us from our enemies and subdue us unto his will. And he will make known the will of God for your salvation. He is the prophet, priest, and king, the Messiah, the anointed one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, keep reading. Keep studying. Uh, we're at day 150. We're going to keep on rolling through the rest of the scriptures together. So if you've got questions, just leave a comment below. Uh, reach out. We'll be, t we'll be discussing, happy to discuss it with you. God bless. Take care.